Welcome to Rewitched, a charmed 1998 rewatch podcast. Join us on our journey as we recap, examine, and critique the series episode by episode from the beginning. We'll be keeping our podcast spoiler free, so we welcome fans, new and old, to join us in watching and reflecting on one of our favorite shows. Currently, we're on season one. I'm your host, Jess Savanko. And I'm your host, Mia Savanko. Now let's get into this week's episode. This week, we're discussing Season 1, Episode 19, Out of Sight. It originally aired on May 5th, 1999, and had 5 million viewers. So let me just say, I am so excited about this episode. These me next two too. Are, pretty, are pretty big, I think. Yeah, I think so too. I definitely, when we were, you know, naming our favorite episodes, I named the next one among my favorites, but this is also a really good episode. And obviously it's so important to that like season long storyline that we've been talking about the past few episodes. I know. And I cannot wait to get into it. Like I've never thought of this as one of my favorites and I still wouldn't say that it is, but it is a very important episode. I feel like, like it's got a lot of like, resolution that we've been waiting for you know mm-hmm. yeah so Definitely. I'm very excited about that and to talk about it today me too so the episode starts off in a park and there's a group of kids running around past a sign that says happy birthday David and then Phoebe and Piper are at this bench party table kind of thing and they're setting up napkins for it obviously a kid's birthday And Phoebe asks Piper what she's so afraid of, and then Prue walks over and joins into their conversation. Phoebe starts telling Prue that Josh told Piper he wants to have the talk with her. Three dates, no sex, there can only be one talk that he's talking about, safe sex, prior partners, standard dating protocol. And Piper's like, and sex equals relationship. And Prue's like, well, I don't know if, or you don't know if you want to be a couple. Piper says, I thought Leo and I were a couple, and then we coupled, and he took off. And Phoebe's like, I don't think that's why Leo left. Obviously, we know that's not why Leo left. <laughs> then their their friend Dee comes over, and her son David, who's the birthday boy, and they start asking about cake and when it's going to be ready. They tell him it'll be ready soon, and he goes back off to play with his friends. And then... Prue's phone starts to ring and Dee, David's mom, thanks Piper for this party. So I guess she's like cooking for it and everything. And then Prue comes back and tells them that she got called into work and she starts to leave. And then one of the kids who are, when they're all playing around with the ball, throws the ball into the bushes. So David runs to go get it and he throws it back to them. And then after that, he hears uh, a very fake sounding meow from the woods. So he turns around and starts looking for this cat that he hears. As he's doing that, we see a demon in the bushes, a really like pasty bluish kind of looking demon with no hair and black eyes, but also whirly eyes. They kind of change. Very gross looking. And then the demon grabs David and Prue hears him screaming and calling for help as she's leaving so she runs over to them 
she moves her hand when she sees them and accidentally like or unintentionally lifts them both into the air separately with her hands and she's very like stunned by this they all are because it's the first time she's channeled her power through her hands it's always been her little eye squinty thing and then she drops them down and the demon grabs david again and runs off with him oh I almost forgot (laughs) another very important part. As she's lifting them in the air, we see someone in the background watching this happen. A guy who was running and watches her use her powers in the park. And then as the demon grabs David again and they're running away, Prue chases after them, but he creates some portal on the ground and they get away before she can catch them. So I guess the first section of this scene, um, I'll talk a little bit about that talk between the sisters. So I like their attitudes here for the most part. You know, there's some stuff that's a little outdated where it's kind of like, you know, sex equals a relationship. I think we all know that by today's standards, that's not true. Even clearly by those days standards, it wasn't true. Prue's little comment that men have a different definition of of coupling than women do. Um, I think, you know, it all depends on the person. It's not necessarily a men and women thing so much as a, is sex emotional or not like person to person thing. Right. I definitely agree with that. I, I was also listening to that conversation. Like none of that seemed very accurate to me, but I guess it's really just like or I thought, you know, oh, it's just a sign of the times, you know, like it was the 90s or early 2000s. Yeah. I also and... feel like everything I've seen from this time period, like really emphasizes that like after three dates, you have sex with somebody. And I'm just like, I feel like that's such a weird like number. Concept. Yeah, really <laughs> random. But I've noticed that too. And I'm like, who's like, okay, today's the third date better like shave like what? yeah I, <laughs> I know it's never really gone down like that in my experiences or from people I know but uh I guess I guess that's how it was then I guess I'm just like who came up with this like policy Ooh. because it's not the first time I've heard it so I'm yeah. just like I don't know where it came from but I hear it in a lot of movies like this too or shows I mean yeah and again you know I feel like that's another like it's a person-to-person relationship to relationship thing you know some people have sex before they go on a date some people don't have sex ever like you it all depends on the relationship it really does so who knows dude who knows that's I guess it's just for this show's sake but (laughs) they seem to be pretty set on that rule Yeah, I also, you know, the mentions of Leo, this isn't the last time we'll hear Leo's name in this episode. I wonder, could my ship, Piper and Leo, be reconnecting soon? Oh my god, I hope so. I wonder what happens and when. Honestly, I don't know how soon anything's gonna happen, but just the fact that they're talking about it is getting me so excited. Yeah. Because I miss Leo so much and I want them to get together. Me too. And I know we only have a few episodes left of the season, so I hope we'll see him again before the end of season one. Me too. Definitely. Anything else to add about that? I guess we can move to like the next section, kind of the part with the demon and Prue's power. Um, Anything you wanted to say there? So 
I get that it was her first time channeling her power through her hands, but I feel like it was crazier than I, like it was a bigger deal to them than I expected, you know, like she was really shocked about it, but you would have, I would have thought that from the start, she would have had her powers in her hand, you know? Yeah, I think for me, it's more about like the control she seemed to have to separate them like that than just like move something, which I feel like has always been her power. Like, I don't think Prue's ever had that perfect like control before. So I feel like they should have been more shocked about that aspect than the hand aspect. Yeah, I agree. It was definitely different than any time she's ever used her power. Like, usually she's not suspending things in the air. She's, like, throwing them real quickly, you know, or moving things around fast. So it is showing, like, her power growing. And I like that they included this power growth in um, season one. They haven't... They did. They did. Phoebe's power also started to grow, right? Because she can see the past and the present. Yeah, and Piper also is, like, able to, like, freeze and unfreeze on command now as opposed to just freeze and wait for it. So I like that by the end, or, like, towards the end of season one, like, we see the growth in all of them. I like that they're including that and not all at the same time. They throw it in randomly, which is, like, just a sign of kind of their maturity with their powers which I think is really cool yeah oh of course you know we have the little creepy McCreeperton uh, watching all this go down I wonder what role he's gonna play in the episode yeah I know I wonder if we're gonna hate this guy or love this guy but already from them first showing that they didn't show it as like a very good thing so like him creeping behind the bushes watching that happen it's not a good sign to me So let's hope that he's not a problem in this episode. I guess we'll see. (laughs) (laughs) So then after this, we have the theme song. And from there, we are in the park. It's a little bit later. We see Dee and Piper are standing by a cop car and Dee is crying. Prue and Phoebe are walking together and Phoebe asks Prue what she told the police. She says, you know, I saw a creature with boring eyes take David. He thought I was nuts. And Phoebe's like, you know, telling her that she was talking to one of the other detectives and there was another little boy that was like disappeared in the same exact spot yesterday. And then Prue's kind of like, oh, a demon who steals kids. Does this get any worse? And Phoebe says, yeah, it happened 20 years ago in the same park, two kids. She's not sure if they ever found the kids. And then Prue starts talking about how she could have saved him, but was too surprised about controlling her power through her hands, like we were just talking about. And then she says, oh, I just hope no one saw me. And it's like, okay, writers, we get it. We know someone saw her. You didn't have to throw in that line. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And then Phoebe, you know, makes this joke. She's like, well, look at the bright side. You won't have to squint your eyes anymore. You were starting to get those little lines. (laughs) Always something with Phoebe. Yep. And then Piper walks over to them and Phoebe asks how Dee is doing. And Piper's like, you know, it's really frustrating that I can't tell her who we are and how we can help her. And Prue says, well, they need to go home to look at the book. That's when her phone starts ringing and Piper tells her to get to work because, you know, she forgot all about work with what happened with David. And her and Phoebe will go look at the book and they'll call Prue when they find something. So she leaves. 
And then we see the guy who saw her using her power is standing by a tree, like stretching as she gets into her car. He like watches her leave and has this like creepy smile. Like the most ridiculous smirk that just told me everything I needed to know. <laughs> it's like, yeah, if I thought there was any chance of you just being a normal character and not an antagonist, it just is gone now. <laughs> yeah. Like they didn't have to make that so fake looking, you know? Like, I felt like that smile was such a, like, a bully in a Disney Channel show. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, yeah, like, the shitty acting, he was, I don't know. But obviously, just from that, we could tell he's not going to be a good guy in this episode. He's going to be an issue. Um, Also, I'd just like to point out, I was looking around everywhere in this scene, and I didn't see Daryl and Andy there. True. Which was just insane to me because this is the first time they've ever not been involved so I wonder if this kidnapping thing they're finally sticking to their own job you know homicide then again you know none of these cops had speaking roles so they didn't need it to be Andy and Daryl that's true (laughs) that's true what were they just gonna have them in the background imagine (laughs) that wouldn't even surprise me if they just had them standing there talking to someone but they managed, they managed to do a, a scene with cops without them. I'm impressed. There are other cops in San Francisco. <laughs> okay, so then we move to, I guess, like underground, wherever the demon brought David. And he's walking around under, it, it, like, it looks like a sewage system and the demons walking around down there and then we hear David in the distance yelling for help and then a demon walks past a cage where another boy is inside with his head on his lap so there's two of them two of these demons and one of the demons is holding David down and the other one kind of starts using his powers to do some weird it looks like It just looked like blue sparks of electricity coming from David's face. And then they take his sight away with their powers. So his eyes turn white. Demon's eyes turn black. And David's like, I can't see. Why can't I see? And for some reason, he starts calling for his mom. (laughs) And that's the end of that scene. It was just a short one. He takes David's eyesight. Yeah. So you made fun of a child actor last episode. It's my turn this episode. I can't see. Why can't I see? Mom. Seriously. (laughs) Like, kid, she's obviously not here. You were just able to see that two seconds ago. (laughs) Yeah, like, you you, you know where you are. Lost your memory as well, you know what I mean? Like, what? Mom? Mom? Mom, is it time for school? Like, (laughs) mom, what's for breakfast? (laughs) Like, all right, kid. Unnecessary, but whatever. Maybe it was to make it more emotional. Like, oh, I wasn't kid. feeling any emotion, but uh, humor. <laughs> I know. Like, oh, kid doesn't have his mom, but I mean, it wasn't news. We, we knew already knew he there. was kidnapped. Yeah, like so did you, son. You knew you were kidnapped. You knew she was not there. So I don't know what the hell you're doing. So then, from there, we go to the manor, and we're in the kitchen. Piper closes the book. She hasn't found anything. Phoebe's sitting at the table. She's on like a laptop. And she says she found news clippings about the kidnappings 20 years ago. 
both boys were taken from the same place as David, and one of them was never seen again. But the other one was found. His name was Brent Miller. Piper's making like a care package for Dee and Phoebe kind of makes a joke that I don't love where it's like, oh, Piper, like eating all that won't make you feel better. And it's like, (laughs) come on. Um, (laughs) So then, you know, she brings up how Brent Miller was found two days later. He was fine, except he'd gone blind. He said that some storm drain monsters stole his eyesight. The authorities thought he just like caught a parasite. Phoebe thinks she should reach out to Brent Miller because he might know something that can help them. And she kind of like reassures Piper that they'll find David. Yeah. Piper seems to really be taking this to heart. I guess because she knows Dee and David, you know. Mm -hmm. But like, it seemed like all of the sisters were friends with Dee. And (laughs) Piper's the only one that seems to have some like personal connection to this. Yeah, see, it's one of those things in the show, and I mean, we've seen it another time in season one, and we'll continue to see it throughout the series, like, sometimes the show randomly brings up that, like, the sisters have friends, but, like, because we never see them interacting with, like, anyone but each other and their love interests, when, like, these friends come up, I just don't feel any, like, connection to the storylines, because I'm like, I don't know this person, It doesn't even seem like you know this person. You just randomly have this friend for plot's sake today. Yeah, yeah. They And I feel like, I mean, in any of the episodes we've seen so far where that happens, and continuously in the future, it's not that big of a spoiler, but they don't seem to, like, it seems to be a constant thing, you know, where they just randomly bring in these friends that they supposedly have, and then we never even see them again. Yeah, it's like we've been friends for 20 years, but you've never met them before and you'll never see them again. Exactly, like that's, and it's always a different person, like you just never, never knew. So I never like, so I don't know, when they're all emotional about it like that, like Piper is right now, it doesn't, it doesn't feel as genuine to me. Yeah, I get that feeling. But it's all right. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Who knows? Maybe Dee will come back one day. I doubt it, but <laughs> she actually is a main character in season five, if I recall correctly. Yeah. <laughs> it's all about Dee. Okay, so then after this, we are at Buckland's and Prue is sitting at her desk, and the guy from the park who saw her use her powers, walks in and introduces himself as Eric Lohman from Bay Weekly, Alternative Press. And they shake hands. And he was like, I was hoping you could help me with the story I'm working on. And she says, on the auction business? And he's like, no, actually, on magic. She's like, well, why would you come to me for that? He says, maybe because I saw you levitate two people in the park with just a wave of your hand. And Prue's like dead silent there. And he's like, I take that as a no comment. Oh my god. And then he just turns into the biggest prick and she tells him to leave and he starts saying like, I had my police sources check you out. It's interesting how your name keeps popping up in all of these unsolved murder cases, don't you think? If I write an article on it, it might look like something. And then he's like, does your boss subscribe to my paper? And she says, don't threaten me. And he's like, what are you going to do? You're going to make me fly into a wall? And then he starts laughing like a douchebag. 
and then he knocks a bowl off her desk and breaks it and then picks it up and puts it back on her desk (laughs) and then he's like bet that took a lot of self-control not to use your powers you know that kid saw what I saw too if the cops get him he's all the corroborating evidence that I need and then Prue starts calling for security and he hangs it up as she's doing that and he says Prue be smart work with me gonna break the story one way or the other and when I do I can either make you sound like Wonder Woman or the devil incarnate and then he leaves and he's like think about it and she's looks all pissed off which I would be too like damn this guy is just awful like I get it someone wants to expose them but Jesus Christ like you didn't have to make this guy just the worst person in the world no literally I feel like when we do our season one wrap up we're gonna have to like come up with an official list of the worst men of season one and he's gonna be somewhere near the top I could just I know seriously Roger him like who else did we have that chef oh my god that chef I how did I forget about that there's Rex, way too many. Rex, holy crap! They're so dramatic about these men that they bring in and that we're supposed to hate. You know, like you don't need to be that. Like it's it. It really doesn't take that much. Because <laughs> there's to get no us to dimension hate to him. Like he doesn't. There's nothing like even slightly redeeming. Like even when I was hating on Andy for a while, like. There were still things about Andy where I was like, okay, he has good characteristics too. Same thing when I like bring up like Daryl's like misogynistic comments that'll come up. Like I still see good in him, but like there's no nuance to this character. He's just 100% a dick 100% of the time. Exactly. Like they have, there's nothing about this that makes him like decent in any way. And they do that a lot with these characters and they really just try so hard to make us hate them. And it's like, you don't have to make them this unbelievably awful. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, we already weren't going to like him, but it, it just feels like they're trying so hard to get us to hate them. Yeah. Making like, dudes act in a way that really they would never do. Like, I feel like a lot of people aren't this bad. Yeah. Like, who is that cocky? I guess, like, every bad guy in this show who isn't, like, a demon needs to just be, like, the cockiest motherfucker you've ever seen in your life. Seriously, it's fucking ridiculous, but whatever. <laughs> There's only job. two good men in this show, um, Andy and Leo. Every other man had, oh, I'm sorry, Daryl can and get Darryl. put on that list, too. Yeah. But um, the other men on the show all have to just be the worst human being you've ever met, like, even Josh seriously like even josh is kind of i mean i guess what was his name clay wasn't that bad he he was because like clay was bad but he had redeeming exactly things about him. exactly he had things that made him better which they tend to not do with a lot of characters on this show you know they're either like always good or always bad <laughs> yeah So then we're at this like apartment and you can see like the ocean and like hear it out of the view and Phoebe walks in and this woman tells her that Mr. Miller will be with her shortly. Then Brent Miller comes in and he's kind of like making little jokes with her and asks how he can help her. He has like a seeing eye dog with him and sunglasses on because he's blind. 
she starts bringing up the kidnapping and he doesn't want to talk about it. He gets like really upset and he asks Lucy, which is the woman who brought Phoebe in before, to show her to the door. And she starts to leave at first and then turns around and tells him it's happening again. In the last 24 hours, two little boys were kidnapped from the same park that you were, maybe by the same monsters that took you. And that's when he like tells Lucy that it's all right and she leaves with the dog. So it's just him and Phoebe. And he's like, oh, you believe my story about the monsters? And she says that she does and she's seen her fair share of monsters and she didn't tell anybody about them because she didn't want them to laugh at her. And he tells her that there were two of them. They brought him to a storm drain and there was like some kind of junction. They held him down and there were blue sparks hitting his face. His eyes felt on fire and then he was blind. Um, he said that he heard them talking about auras and that's like the main thing he remembers. Yes, so Brent seems like a good guy. We're getting some information from him. I don't have too much to say. It looks like Brent and Phoebe are getting along nicely. Yeah, there's like a little bit of like a connection between yeah. them. I don't know where that connection is going, but like it's interesting to watch their interaction together. Yeah, their interaction felt very like, I don't know, like genuine. Like it was mm -hmm. comfortable. It wasn't like weird. It was nice. And I don't know, they just seem to have a good connection going. So I'm wondering how that's going to go in the future or throughout the episode. Yeah, me too. Yeah, so, I mean, aside from that, it's pretty much just plot. So now we're outside on the street by this concert that was going on, and we see people walking out of this building. And in the storm drain, the demons pop up and are, like, peeking around. And they see this bright yellow aura around this one man on the street or on the sidewalk, and using their powers, they start strangling him from the storm dream, and he falls to the floor, and he's he dies, but people rush to his side and are trying to help him and everything, and then the demons disappear back down. And did you notice, like, the way that one demon went down? <laughs> How no. he, like, cracked his neck? He, like, cracked his neck into the air and, like, went <laughs> back down, like, like, super weird. The other one just, like, ducked down like a normal person would, but he, like, went and had to make himself look all creepy when he went down. It was so weird. I was like, what You the gotta go for the, the drama, you know? Seriously, I was like, that was so unnecessary. <laughs> but, yeah, so they just kill this guy who seems to have this bright aura, which I assume means he's just a good guy. Yeah, I was figuring the same thing. Yeah, and we don't really have any more information <laughs> beyond that. Yeah. I guess maybe we'll have to find out about it later in the episode. Yeah, it's just kind of like a, I don't know, yeah, something we figure out later on. So then after that, we're back at the manor, and Piper's sitting on the stairs, and she has the book open, looking for something about auras. Phoebe starts walking down, and then they find it. And then they find a page about Grimlocks, which are underground demons who roam city to city, killing powerful forces of good by seeing the unique auras that surround them, which they are able to do by stealing the sight of innocent children. The stolen eyesight lasts 24 hours, but only if the children are alive. And Piper like notes that that means that they have 14 hours until David might be killed. Piper is reading about how to vanquish them. 
And that's when Prue comes into the house and she's like calling their names. They go over to where she is and ask her what's wrong. And she says that a reporter saw her use her powers and is threatening to write an article. Phoebe says it's her word against his. And Prue says the difference is his word is delivered to half a million homes each week. And Piper's kind of like, well, everything happens for a reason. Maybe people are supposed to find out about our powers, but Prue and Phoebe are both like, no, no, no. And then Piper says that she's going to get a map of the storm drain from Josh. And Phoebe says that she's going to go see Brent again to see what he can remember. And that Prue needs to get some Shisandra root for the potion to vanquish the Grimlocks. And then Piper and Phoebe leave, and that's the end of that scene. Yes, so very intense. Now they all know that this guy is after them. Or at least after Prue. I guess the one interesting thing to talk about in this scene is kind of the different reactions, like the way Phoebe and Prue are not at all willing to be like, no, maybe people should find out about us. But Piper's kind of like, well, maybe if people know about us, we can help more people. I think that's kind of the only interesting thing. And I kind of wonder why Piper feels that way, other than the fact that like, she's struggling with not being able to tell Dee. Yeah, I mean, it seems like at the moment, that's the only thing that she's really thinking about. So I assume that's why she would feel that way. But I mean, on a more logical, like realistic side, it definitely, I don't agree that it would be a good idea for people to find out. Because they would be like a media circus, you know, like surrounding them all the time which I think is a point that they made. and Yeah, I think Phoebe brought that up too. Yeah, it would just be, I think it would just be a mess, you know? Yeah, especially if it's getting broken by like a news article. Like I think it would be one thing if kind of like people knew in the community and they were coming to them for help as opposed to like, there are these witches, here's a story about it. Yeah, and then you've got to like, you're going to have all these people who, think they're crazy or want to do experiments or people who will come up and ask them for things that they won't be able to help with like you know like maybe curing diseases like it would just be there would be so much everybody would have such different reactions and I've like thought about this too if like damn I wonder how it would be if people found out if it would be a good thing for them or a bad thing but yeah I've definitely come to the conclusion that it would just be a mess if the whole world found out about them. Yeah, I feel like I'm a little bit, because I think it all depends on storytelling. Because, you know, we've seen superhero franchises where, like, people find out and it's fine, like, in the case of, like, Iron Man. But we see, like, in other stories, like, in Spider-Man, it, like, ruins his life in, like, the new Spider-Man movies. So I think it all depends on, like, how the writer wants to go about what happens when people, like, know your secret identity, basically. Yeah, but I also feel like everybody has such strong opinions. Everybody's got such different opinions in the world. And some people are so, I don't know. It also depends on the person, like not only the storytelling, but you can say, you can say things however you want. And there are people who are still not going to understand and people are still going to talk about things and form their own opinions. And maybe some of them will think that like they're, bad people or they're going to be bad guys in the end you know what I mean or Mm -hmm. that there's some sort of evil like think about breaking that story to a religious person you know like someone who genuinely believes in that stuff they'll think that they're the devil or something no matter how you put it yeah you're right it's 
I guess it kind of depends on the person rather than just, I mean, not just the storytelling. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I don't know. But I think Piper was just being a little too emotional on that. Mm-hmm. Anyways, after that, we move to the police station and Andy walks in. So it looks like Daryl and Andy are going to be in this episode. And Daryl hands him a paper from the medical examiner. And he says, it's Jerry Catray, a saint, donated millions to the city's anti-drug program. Emmy said he was murdered. COD uh, was strangulation. But the problem is that the man died in the middle of a crowd of people and nobody saw anyone lay a hand on him. And then Loman enters the police station asking for Andy and introducing himself and Daryl's like this is all you and he leaves and Andy's like I know who you are what do you want and then he makes a joke about wanting coffee but he's just being a douche and Andy like very obviously is just annoyed and then he says what do you say I pick your brain about Prue Hallowell name ring a bell it should her name keeps popping up in a lot of your unsolved murder cases he says that he has his sources and cops love to talk if you pay them enough. And Andy says, get the hell out of here. And he gets up and Loman's like, so I assume you know all about Prue's unusual powers, right? And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And Loman says, yeah, right. That's what she said, too. You guys rehearse your stories or something. And then he starts telling Andy what he saw. And Andy still has nothing to say about it. Then he tries to threaten Andy, and he's like, okay, I'll just change my story to a police cover-up instead. And he starts leaving. And then Daryl comes back, and he's like, what's going on? And Andy's like, I'm assigning myself to kidnappings, and Daryl will have to cover the ME case on his own. Mm -hmm. So here we are. Andy does not seem very surprised when Loman brings up Prue's unusual powers even though at this point he does we know he doesn't know for sure Prue's secret but obviously that he's had his suspicions because we've seen his little clippings of like black magic and this and that and now he's starting to get a little bit of confirmation that his suspicions are right yeah exactly and I really like the interaction between the two of them. Like, I like how Andy is very, like, not putting up with this journalist. He's like, no, like, because it's not even, like, he made it very clear that this is, like, an alternative press, right? Like, he's not, like, a well-respected journalist. So he's probably the type of guy who writes for a magazine that we can compare to something like The Inquirer, where they're just posting, like, gossip stories and, like, ridiculous stuff. Yeah. But yeah, no, I like that interaction. And of course, you know, now Andy's got to get himself assigned to the kidnappings. I know. That's exactly what I was thinking. Like he put himself, at least now, like this is the first time where they are going to be working on a case that has nothing to do with, you know, homicide, where like they show it happening. You know what I mean? Like they show him being like, I'm switching myself to kidnappings. In any other situation, they've just shown up there and it's been like... And it's usually like right when the crime happened too. Like it's not even like they got assigned to it later. Like they're the responding officer. Exactly. Like it's never, it never makes any sense. This is the first time that there's some logic behind it. But opinions on Andy starting to get some insight on them becoming witches? Yeah, I mean, you know... 
him knowing about like these kind of occult ties, I think is very different than him hearing the word like unusual powers, right? Because uh-huh. I think he wasn't sure what magic is. Right, right. Because like, you know, I think he had the idea of maybe like spells and things like that, but not so much like, oh, they have they each have one special power and like, it's this and this is how it works. So I'm excited yeah. to see if he gets to see those powers. Me too. I'm really excited as this episode continues because now that Andy's brought into it and this Loman guy involved him. And I, I really love that even though Andy does have his suspicions and his resentment towards Prue because he, like, she won't tell her, tell him whatever she's hiding, he still is not going to, like, blow her cover or say anything to this guy about that, you know? Like, he's still, even if he has no idea and thinks that maybe she has some ties to the occult, he obviously still thinks there's some good in her and believes, like, whatever she's doing, it's for the best. Like, it still shows that trust and that loyalty to her, which is just so cute to me. Yeah. So then we're at Josh's office, and he pulls out a map, and, you know, he's kind of asking Piper why she needs it. And she says that she has a client who's thinking of throwing an underground rave, and that Quake might cater it, which isn't the worst lie, I'll give her that. And he seems to just kind of go with this like anyway as long as you're here can we talk and she's like trying to get out of it but he says it's important it could affect the rest of his life and she's like well not if we take precautions because you know she thinks they're talking about sex but he's actually talking about like how he got a job offer and it's in Beverly Hills so he'd have to leave town but like he kind of says that if he thought that they had a future together and she didn't want him to go that he would stay And she freezes him and she's like talking to herself. She's like, if I ask you to stay, then we're a couple. And I'm not sure if I'm ready to be a couple. But if I tell you to leave and we could have been a good couple, then I'll never know if we, I need more time. I need lots and lots of time. And he like unfreezes and the phone rings because she like called him. And then she leaves with the map as he's like going to answer the phone where there's no one there. (laughs) Smart move. It was a smart move. That's a very intense thing. I don't know. I feel like it was a little quick for them to be like, oh, do we have a future together and this and that? You know what I mean? It's definitely soon. But honestly, this is one of the first things Josh has done that actually makes me like him. Because I'm like, wow, like, if Piper wanted you to stay, you would stay. And I'm like, that's actually kind of sweet. Right. it, it, It is. That's true. I definitely didn't hate Josh in this scene. And they haven't even, like, had sex or anything yet. Which means, like, he really does like her, you know what I mean? (laughs) But also, like, Phoebe mentioned in the beginning that it was only three dates. Like, three dates and you're going to put your whole, like, you're going to be like, this is my dream job, but I will stay here for you, you know? That's true. That's true. Like, I feel like that's a lot. I don't know. It is. Maybe he's love bombing her. Maybe I'm just a romantic and I'm not seeing it. Maybe. Like, I, for me, that just felt like way too much. Like, they haven't even decided that they're a couple yet. It would be different if maybe they were already a couple, you know, and had been together for a little while. And then he's like, hey, you know what? Like, I do want to know if this is going somewhere if this is good for you and 
if there's a future, then I'll stay with you. But the fact that it's been three dates and they're not even like officially dating yet, it's like just so weird to me. Yeah, I guess you're right. Because like, if it's been three dates, we can assume it's probably been about two or three weeks. Yeah, exactly. So maybe if it was more like three or four months, it would be something to consider. But this does feel soon. I think you're right. A little, yeah, just a little too much for them. It just felt kind of thrown in there. But uh, I guess I it's guess just they, they needed a, to get rid of Josh because Lou that's was what I was back. about to say. They <laughs> needed to find a way to get rid of Josh, it seems like. And of course, an excuse to bring up our boy Leo again, which we'll get to. Of course. <laughs> so after this, we go back to Brent's apartment and Phoebe and Brent are sitting on his couch and he starts saying how he remembers their faces and that they took him into a big area with a lot of pipes. And that's pretty much all he remembers. And he can tell that she's disappointed that he can't remember more. And then he tells her that she has a beautiful smile. And she's like, how can you tell? And he says, I can hear it in your voice. I can see it in my mind. And then she touches his hand like sweetly and then gets a premonition as she touches him. She sees him as a little boy walking through the storm drain, or I mean, walking through the sewers blind and there's a sign behind him that he passes and that he's running through or walking through water and this and that so then he's like are you okay and she's like yeah and starts asking him what he was wearing and if he was running through water he was like yeah how'd you know that and then says like I need you to think really hard if you remember anything else about the location you escaped from And he says that he remembers the sound of a generator and maybe some cable cars. And then he pulls out a map of the area and they both start looking for this cable car turnaround or a power plant. And it's like a map in Braille so that he could read it. And he finds the spot he's looking for and holds her hand to show her where it is. And then she's like, okay, I need to go. And then he turns to her and he's like, Phoebe, how'd you know that I was, or what I was wearing and where I was running? Are you like some sort of psychic or something? And she's like, like that, but only different. And he asks if that's how she's seen the monster she was talking about. Then he says that she's a good person and probably has a strong aura. So he, she should be careful with these monsters. And then she takes his hands and she says that she will and heads out the door. So again, with their really cute connection between them. They are really cute. Like normally it would be like one of those lines, like you have a beautiful smile. I can hear it in your voice. I'd be like cheesy as fuck, but I actually like yeah. it. Yeah. No, it was like, it was cute. You know, this one didn't feel so like stupid. Yeah, no, it felt, it felt very sweet. It felt very genuine. I think there is a really good chemistry between these two actors that's creating this like feeling in these scenes but I do I, I like them me too I definitely like them good vibes so then we are underground and David is moving towards the other boy who we find out is named Billy and tells him not to worry he's like my mom's got a friend who has supernatural powers she'll get us out of here <laughs> and then that's when the Grimlock comes over and like tells him to shut up <laughs> in this really like demonic voice He's like, shut it up. Jesus Christ. (laughs) And the kid doesn't even react. 
He just continues yeah, this child to actor down. is no uh, Dakota Fanning. You know what I mean? Seriously, like I would have been if I heard that at an hour, especially if I can't see like where you're coming from, I would have been shitting my pants. <laughs> I'm like, who the fuck is talking to me in that low growl? Mom, <laughs> is that you? <laughs> Seriously, maybe he confused him for his mom. That's Anyways. how his mom talks to him. <laughs> Shut up. It's bedtime. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> Fucking D, dude. He's a monstrous. <laughs> okay, so after that, we are in Buckland's kind of also Piper's car. It's like they're on the phone, so, you know, it hops between the two. And Prue and Piper are on the phone together. And they start talking about the strangled philanthropist and how it must have been the Grimlocks because of his aura. And Piper says that they only have three hours left. Prue says she's about to leave work and get the Shassandra route. And she asks if Phoebe got anything from out of Brent. And then Andy walks into her office door. And she's like, oh, I got to go and hangs up on Piper. And then he asks her who Brent Miller is because, you know, she overheard him. He overheard her saying that. And he tells her he's working on the kidnapping and that they should talk. And then he tells her that Eric Lohman came by the station and proves like he's a reporter trying to make a name for himself. You can't believe anything he says. And he's like, normally I don't. This time I do. We've been down this road too many times, true. I know, Prue, I know you're hiding something. <laughs> I have my suspicions about what it is, but I've had to accept the fact that you can't tell me or you don't want to tell me. Either way, it's just not, it's not just me anymore. Loman's on to you and he's not going to let go. And she says, Andy, I'm just never sure if it's better for you to know or not to know. And then he looks down, kind of disappointed, and he says, I remember a time when we could tell each other anything. And then he just kind of says, just, like, whatever you do, just watch your back, because he'll do anything to get his story. And he leaves, and she thanks him, and he, like, smiles at her. It was honestly a really cute scene. No, like, my heart is kind of breaking here, because I'm like, the conflict there is, like so good yeah this is like not uh, this is not the first time where we have that you know her kind of dancing around the truth or both of them dancing around what they want to say but this time felt so much more real because he was he pretty much has the answer right in front of him and they both know it but neither of them will say it you know Mm -hmm. what I mean and it, I don't know. It just, like, it felt really emotional to me. Like, you could tell Prue genuinely meant it when she was like, I just never know if it's a good idea or not. And Andy, like, really seemed to kind of understand. Not understand, but, uh, you know, accept that. And, like, it was just really sweet that in the end he just wanted to come there and look out for her and let her know, like, hey, you got to be careful on this, you know? Yeah, it's this very, like, I wish you trusted me, but either way, I'm here for you. And, like, I really like that attitude in Andy. Me too. It was so sweet. And you could tell Prue was very genuine, too, about 
wanting to tell him and just not being able to like she was being so honest there like I just really don't know if it's better for you to know or not to know and I don't know it was just so it was so sweet it was such a scene really got to me yeah I'm definitely back on this ship and I was like feeling it me too so then we're like in this little like outdoor space I guess it's like the outdoor space that connects to the storm drain and Phoebe has a map with her and she's moving some pieces of wood off of a door and then she opens it and says bingo and then closes it in my opinion this was a pointless scene we didn't need to see Phoebe find the door we could have just gone there later but you know yeah I was thinking the same thing I felt (laughs) unnecessary But whatever. So then after that, we're at the manor and Piper's car pulls up. And then as she's walking up to the house, Prue is walking from her car, which is in the driveway and says that she got the Sandra route and Piper asks her what's wrong. And she tells her about Loman seeing Andy and that she danced around the truth, but it just doesn't feel right to be doing that anymore. That's when Piper sees a stroller is going into the street and there's like a truck coming down the road. So she freezes it. And then Prue looks over and they both run towards it. And when they get there, they see that the stroller is just has like a blanket in it. There's no baby. And then they're kind of like, wait a minute. The neighbors don't have a baby. And then Prue looks over and sees Loman in the bushes with a camera. And she tells Piper that it's a setup and they need to go back to where they were before everything unfreezes. So they do, and then they go inside. Then Loman looks over at the stroller confused because it's now across the street and they didn't do anything. And then he rewinds the tape and notices that Piper's bag moved from one shoulder to the other within like a second. And he says, what do you know? She has another power, gotcha. Dun, dun, dun. So I realized that's, there's like a couple scenes in this show that, or in this episode that they put in the theme. Yeah. I noticed that. I noticed that too. There's like another one later on too. Yeah. They're not in the season one theme though, right? They're in the season two and beyond. Cause I'm pretty sure they're in the theme throughout the show, but I don't think season one, cause this is a late episode. Yeah. I don't, I, I, I guess I never really thought about it and I don't really remember. I'll have to like watch the theme again. But I know that, like, throughout the whole show, or that's what I'm saying. Like, I remember it being in later seasons that specific moment of Piper freezing that stroller is in the theme song. Yeah, me too. And then there's another one later on uh, in this episode with Prue that I know is in the theme song too. Yeah, with the throwing the Grimlock. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So. I don't know. I don't know why that just came to mind, but. <laughs> no, I definitely noted it too in my head because I'm like so used to seeing that in the theme yeah. song. For some reason that one, those have like always stuck out to me and I never realized that like both of them are from the same episode, and, you know? <laughs> yeah. But anyways, this fucking guy needs to hop off. He's really getting on my nerves. <laughs> yeah, no, I want him gone. And I like when it comes to like, okay, if someone's videotaping you, wouldn't they have been better off destroying the videotape? Because no matter what, you're not going to be standing in the exact same spot where you froze. Like, it's one thing for people's eyes to see it, but on a camera, because we even see it when he looks at the footage, like, they're shifted slightly over. 
Yeah, I noticed that too. And it's like, what did he do? Jerk the camera? Yeah, I guess it somewhat looked like there was maybe a glitch because I guess there is that in cameras like at that time, you know? like Mm -hmm. little glitches like that so I guess it could have seemed like that or like he moved the camera around but I was thinking the same exact thing like like just go over and steal the tape out so he's not recording anything yeah like like somehow find a way to break the camera so he doesn't realize that or he realizes after like oh shit I didn't actually get anything on video you know yeah I would have that was what I was thinking too but whatever worked for them yeah anyways after this we see we're back at the manor back outside the manor but it's a little bit later and phoebe is walking up the stairs into the house and we see loman sitting in his car outside looking in the or looking like at the house and prue's looking out the window at his car and then piper asks if he's still out there and she's like yep and phoebe walks in and tells them that she found the entrance to the storm drain and Prue tells her that the reporter is staking them out and that's his car outside and he tried to like trick them into using their powers and almost caught them and then the doorbell rings and Prue goes to get it and the girls are all standing there and it's Loman asking to use the bathroom just being a douche again (laughs) and then Prue tries to close the door on him but he's like don't bother using your magical powers on me. I already hid the videotape. Like, as she's trying to close the door on him, like, that's some sort of magical. (laughs) And he, like, explained to them, like, explained to me how your bag magically jumped from one shoulder to the other. I caught you guys. And then he figured, he's, he's like, I figured that one of you stopped time or something. And he says that he's already got his story ready to print, but he wants a tell-all exclusive from Prue. And then she's, like, pushing him out the door, and he's like, I'll write the book, we can share the movie rights, and just being an asshole. She shuts him out of the house, and Prue says that she'll stay and finish the potions, and they need to find try to find the boys in time, and Prue will stop him from following them. And then Prue goes outside and tells him, you know what, maybe we can work something out. And he's like talking to her like, why do I not believe you? And then behind them, Piper and Phoebe get into the car and drive off. And he sees that and he, she's like, oops, busted. And then he's like, good try. And he goes to follow them in his car. But she uses her power to throw like, I, I assume some gardening tool, even though it looked more like a screwdriver just <laughs> sitting out there. And like she threw it into his tire and he was like what the hell like you did that i know you did it and she was like really prove it and went back inside i love Um, prue in this scene the quick thinking like the reaction the like timing here is really great like i love this scene me too it was such such good comedic timing like finally got his ass yep So then from there, we're at the storm drain and Piper and Phoebe are like climbing down this ladder and they find a pipe juncture on the map and start heading that way. Phoebe's kind of like, so I guess this isn't a good time to ask how it went with Josh in the talk. And Piper's like, you're right, it's not. And she's like, very serious. (laughs) (laughs) I love this because like, that's such a sister thing. Like you're in the middle of something serious and it's just like, so how'd it go with Josh? Yeah, I know. Like, so fucking stupid. Phoebe would be the one to bring that up at a time like this, too. 
Piper's like, what the fuck? Like, you're right. It's not a good time. <laughs> a cute sister moment. Well, then we go back to Brent's apartment. And Andy is there. And he starts talking to Brent. And asks him if Prue came by to see him. And he's like, no, I didn't see a Prue Hallowell, but a Phoebe Hallowell came to talk to me. And then he says, I think I know where she went, if that'll help you. And it's like, damn, Brent, I thought you had a connection with Phoebe. You're ratting her out to the Dude, police? That was exactly what I was thinking. I was like, why would you trust this guy and tell him where she went? Like, I know it's like a cop, but you know what Phoebe's doing and you know that the cops don't believe the story. So what were you thinking? That's what I was thinking. I'm like, you already know that the cops like make fun of you and like never believed you about the monsters. Then there's Phoebe who believed you and is trying to do something and you tell Andy. I mean, we know Andy's a good guy and he knows about magic, but Brent but doesn't no know that. Exactly. Yeah. Like you didn't know that and you were just so ready to rat Phoebe out. Like, damn, minus one point from Brent. I know. I, th- I expected more from him. Yep. But, you know, I guess all people have to make mistakes. I guess that makes him a three-dimensional character. That's true. It happens to the best of us. (laughs) So then we go to the storm drain. And Phoebe sees the same sign that she saw, like, in her vision on the wall. And that's when, as they're walking, Piper falls down, like, this grate into, like, this bottom thing. And the Grimlocks hear this happen, and Phoebe's yelling for Piper, and she sees that Piper's, like, passed out down there, so she pulls this, like, cardboard thing over the top of it, I guess, so, like, no one will see Piper, and she says that she's gonna go get help, and she, like, runs out. I love that there's an underground in the underground. (laughs) (laughs) Like, what the fuck? And also, like, why is that random piece of cardboard there? Like, I just have so many I know. There was, like, so so much that didn't make sense about this scene. Like, I've, I've never seen a sewer grate inside of a sewer grate. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah. Like, what the fuck was that about? Piper just falls right into it. And then there's this random, huge, perfect piece of cardboard to cover that thing up. I know. Like, all right. But whatever. Props to the art department, I guess, and whatever they thought was going on here. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Then we move to the manor, and Prue is in the kitchen finishing up the potion, and the phone rings. She runs over to answer it, and it's Phoebe telling her that Piper's hurt, and she's not able to get to her, and that she's on the end of Varick Street. So then Prue's like, I'm on my way, and she grabs the potions and heads out. And then outside, as she's going to her car, she sees that Loman did something to it because the the hood is open and it's just, he obviously did something. And then she tells him, fix it now, and he's recording her. And she's like, look, I don't have time for this, all right? Piper's hurt and two boys' lives are at stake. And he's like, well, do something like say it or whatever. And she's like, fine, you win. I'm a witch with magical powers. And then uh, he stops recording and pulls out whatever he took from her car. And he's like, great, let's go. And wants to go with her to wherever the hell she's going. What a douchebag. 
I know. Like, there are actual people that are going to die, and this is still all you care about. Like this All he cares about is that story. The worst human being ever. Yeah. I forgot how much I hated this guy. I know. He sucks so bad. Like, I just, I feel like what we said in the beginning about him just, like, being so unnecessarily bad is, like, mm-hmm. I just, like, there's nothing I can say. Like, he just sucks so much. Yeah, there's no other way to put it. And you know what I've noticed, too? The girls, every time someone like this is in the show, are so, like, weirdly patient with them. And I don't know. Like, I would be losing my mind on this guy, you know? Like, I wouldn't be able to keep my mouth shut. But they're very, like... Like, when they do give attitude back, it's more, like, witty comments or witty, like, haha, got you. But, like, you don't really see the anger from them. Like, them. Yeah. Like, I would be so pissed at this guy. I know. They're, like, so calm about it the whole time. Every time. Mm -hmm. So, then after that, we are outside the storm drain, and Prue's car pulls up. And Phoebe asks what Loman is doing there because he gets out with her and Loman's like, making my career. And they're like, stay by the car. Like, it's not safe, whatever. He's like, oh no, I'm coming with you. And then they get him to like agree to wait and they go in, but he follows a few seconds later with his camera in hand. Fucking piece of shit. Yeah, this is why I don't feel bad about what's going to happen to Loman in like a scene and a half. Yeah, me neither. I couldn't care less no nope. <laughs> and honestly neither do they so true <laughs> and then back inside the like sewer area piper hears a noise and she calls out and is like phoebe then uh grimlock hears her as he's walking around and he pulls the thing that's covering her like off so i guess it was pretty pointless <laughs> <laughs> And then it sees her that her aura is like bright yellow too. And it starts strangling her down in the hole she's in. And then Phoebe and Prue approach behind him. And Phoebe, or I mean, Prue throws a pipe at him with her power. And he just kind of gets up and walks away. <laughs> <laughs> and they approach Piper and see her down there. Yeah. I love the way the Grimlock just kind of like walks, locks yeah, it off, like, you know? Okay, I'll go. Like, yeah, fair enough. Like, usually they like fight back right away. Like, you would have thought that would have been some big fight scene, but he was like, nah, I'm out of here. <laughs> just love it. And then right back outside, a police car pulls up by Prue and Piper's cars, and Andy gets out, obviously seeing that they're there, and he heads in too. Mm hmm. So inside, Loman is like recording himself with the camera. He's like inventing the selfie as we speak. <laughs> and he's like saying like, oh, I'm live at the scene. Like there are witches and demons and we're going to save some little boys. And then a Grimlock appears like behind him and he yells and then the camera like cuts off. And then we cut back over to where the girls are and Prue is using her power to like raise Piper up and like they help her get down and you know they're like we'll take you up to the street and then we'll come back for the boys. Then we see that Andy is walking through 
the sewer and he finds Loman's dead body just chilling on the ground. That's when he sees like a Grimlock approaching and he starts shooting at it, but it just keeps coming. Then the Grimlock sees his aura and starts strangling him. Prue sees this happening and this is the scene you were talking about earlier. She throws him with her power and it runs away again. These Grimlocks don't want to stay and fight. So, you know, Andy's looking at her and he's like, so what Loman saw you do was true. And Piper and Phoebe walk up and Prue tells them that Andy knows. And she tells him that what tried to kill him was a demon. And then she asks him to take Piper and get out of there. Andy's like, I'm not leaving the two of you alone. And she's like, do I have to use my power on you? And he's like, I'll meet you up on the street. (laughs) So he leaves with Piper. And then Prue grabs the tape out of the camera from Loman's body. And then it's just like, bye, Loman. And then... (laughs) her and Phoebe run into a Grimlock and they throw the potion at it and it melts and it's like it's not that bad of a special effect yeah and then Phoebe kind of makes this joke and is like great just what we need more toxic waste in our sewers (laughs) and then um they continue walking and Phoebe finds the cage and sees David she calls for Prue to come That's when the Grimlock is right by her and starts strangling her with magic, so she drops the potion. Phoebe runs over and hits the Grimlock, and it turns on her and starts strangling her. So then Prue uses her power to throw the potion that's, like, spilled on the floor onto the Grimlock, and it melts and dies. Then they walk back over to the cage, and they see that David's eyes turn back to normal. And Prue and Phoebe both smile at him, and he goes, I knew you had magical powers. And they both kind of look at each other, but then Phoebe's like, come on, get your friend and let's get out of here. Nice little resolution to this. I really like the Andy and Prue of it all. No, big moment. It's like official now. Like he knows what happened. He knows that they have powers. Yeah. And like, I just really like the way they did that moment. Like I felt like the scene was well acted. I think his reactions made sense to me kind of the shock but also the like understanding that he gathers throughout the scene are both really good to me yeah they they definitely made it look really good and really realistic I don't I think they did a great job at that and I'm just so happy that Andy finally officially knows and I think even when Prue was kind of admitting it like you could see a little bit of like relief in her face yeah because it was like he knows but she didn't have to tell him like she she was able to just kind of show him and like like I felt like she felt like oh thank god like you finally just caught me like I wish you would have just caught me from the start so I didn't have to hide it you know Mm -hmm. definitely so I don't know I think it was handled really well me too And then after this, we are at the police station and Andy's sitting at his desk, kind of like looking, think, looking like he's thinking about something. Mm -hmm. Uh, And Daryl approaches him and asks, how exactly did you know the kids were down there again? And he's like, oh, anonymous tip. And then he says that the kids followed a kitten into the storm drain and got lost. There were no kidnappers. And Daryl's like, well, how do you explain finding Loman down there with the broken neck? He says, must have slipped when he went down there after them. You know, anything for a story, it's too bad. And then Daryl's like, 
Ah, uh, you don't really expect me to believe all this, do you? And Andy's like, for now. And Daryl leaves. I love how understanding Daryl is a lot of the time when, when things like this happen. Like, he's very much just like, you know what, Andy? Like, I'm not even going to ask. Yeah, and that's why my next question is, like, when is Daryl going to figure out what's going on? Like, Andy knows, when is Daryl going to know? Yeah, I know, and let's hope that Daryl does find out sometime soon and handles it all right, too, because Andy knowing, like, it also does affect Daryl because that's his partner, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So on these cases where Andy's going to be able to figure out what happened, Andy's going to have no, or I mean, Daryl's going to have no clue what's going on. Yeah, because Andy will be like, oh, yeah, the suspect was actually a demon. He's gone now. But, like, Daryl's just going to be like, where the fuck's the suspect? Exactly. Exactly. He's going to have zero understanding of what happened. But anyways, Daryl leaves. And then Phoebe is standing with Prue and Piper also at the station. They're looking over by the chairs where they, the kidnapped kids are now sitting with their mom. And they're worried because they don't know what the kids are going to say when people start asking them questions about what happened. And Phoebe asks Piper if she's okay. And then Piper says, when I was in the storm drain, I was kind of out of it. And I kept just thinking about Leo. That's weird. And Phoebe says, well, maybe you miss him. And Prue says, what are you going to do about Josh? And she decides that she's going to tell him to take the job in Beverly Hills. And she's like, even though she knows Leo might not come back, uh, if she's thinking about him, then she's definitely not thinking about Josh. And she walks away. And then Brent walks in, and Phoebe calls for him, calls him over, and he walks over to her. And she asks him where his dog is, because he walked in without him. And he says that he's retired, as he takes off his glasses, and we see that his eyes are normal, and that he can see again. And then he's like, someone must have slayed those monsters. Do you know anything about that? And she's like, says this the motion, like, you know, my lips are sealed kind of thing. And then he tells her that he was right. He, she does have a beautiful smile and says that he'll talk to the boys about the dangers of telling the amazing stories that happen to them. And then he says, thanks and walks away. Uh, and Prue is now standing by Andy, and she says, so now you know, and he says, yeah, although it's still sinking in, she's like, where do we go from here, he's like, good question, and then reporters start approaching Andy and asking him questions, and Prue just kind of walks away, and that's how the scene ends, the episode ends. Yeah, so I really like this final scene, so much happened, you know, I think, the moments with the sisters are cute. Um, you know, Leo's coming up again. So obviously Leo's coming back soon. I think we can all guess that even first time yeah. viewers. The final wrap up between Brett and Phoebe was cute. I don't think we'll ever see him again though. Something just tells me that he is not a ongoing love interest for her. But yeah, I'm excited to see where things go with Prue and Andy from here. Now that he knows the secret, will they get back together? Will they still have the same issues from before? Like, those are my questions at this point. Yeah, I feel like they left us with a lot here, you know? Andy just found out. Piper's talking about Leo again. And Phoebe ends with this, like, really cute connection between 
her and Brent. Like it's it's really it's it's it was a nice ending, I think. Suspenseful but also relieving. Like it felt like complete, you know. Yeah, like even though clearly storylines are gonna continue from here, like the episode feels very like like a nice ending. Like things are wrapped yeah. up in a way that I really enjoy. Yeah, it wasn't like a, oh my god, like I need to know what what now, you know? Mm-hmm. It was like it all came together nicely. I think I think they did such a good job with this episode. Definitely one of the good ones. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you want to reach out to us or follow us on social media, we're on Instagram and TikTok at rewitched underscore pod. You can also send us an email to rewitched.pod at gmail.com. And join us back next time for season one, episode 20, The Power of Two.